Good morning. The title of this morning's message is Our Father's Gift of Our True Identity. This morning I want to talk to you about the gift that our Father, our Heavenly Father, has given us by giving us a new and perfect identity. When we were born again, we became entirely new and perfect creations in our spirit, where we are married to Jesus, where we are one spirit with the living God. We are perfect, and that's because he made a bride that would completely suit his son. And of course, she would need to be holy and righteous and pure and altogether lovely, and that is exactly who we are in our spirit. Our Father has made us truly in the image of the Son and of Himself. We look like our daddy. I have two brothers, an older one and a younger one. They look very different. One's very tall and one's not. My brothers and my dad were in the military and when they come home to visit, it is hysterical to sit and watch them talk to each other. It looks like my dad is talking to himself. <laughs> because my brothers walk like him and talk like him and gesture like him and laugh like him, and they don't see it. They can't see that they look just and they act just like their daddy without ever even trying. Because that's who they are. That's who he's made them to be. That is what happens with us. We don't recognize that we look just like our Jesus, and we walk just like our Jesus, and we talk just like our Jesus. He's made us to be that way. Amen. Now, unfortunately, our brains and bodies have to wait until heaven <laughs> to get the perfect upgrades. <laughs> but in the meantime, we are called to renew our minds to the truth of God's word and to submit our bodies to his loving care so that we can walk in all the goodness that our Father's great love has already provided for us. And we can see this truth in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I have it for you in the Remedy Translation. And also, whatever you see in red, I added. After all, it is a paraphrase. <laughs> so I can expand. Stating <laughs> in verse 1. Therefore, with all my heart, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to consider how merciful God is in providing his remedy, which is Christ and his finished work, and to surrender your entire being to God as a living sacrifice. Why? So we can be healed in our soul and transformed outwardly in our life into God's very image. We already have it on the inside, but he doesn't want it to be a secret. He wants you to shine. This is the most reasonable, logical, and intelligent worship you could ever offer. Verse 2. Do not continue to practice the destructive methods of selfishness which infect the world. But be completely transformed. Where? In our minds, will, and emotions. Our spirit man is a done deal. <laughs> our soul, however, is in progress. <laughs> <laughs> he wants us to let him continue to progress his image in us and through us so that we can be completely transformed into God's image by the renewing of our mind, not the renewing of our spirit. We need to understand that that is a done deal. We are not broken in our spirit. <laughs> we are not sick in our spirit. We are not lonely or depressed in our spirit. <laughs> All that stuff happens in our brain and in our soul. Mind, will, and emotions. Then you will value God's principles, practice his methods, and discern his will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I liked this translation of these two verses because they state the goal of giving ourselves completely into our Father's hands, which is to experience healing in our mind, will, and emotions through the renewing of our mind. Again, not the renewing of our spirit. 
the truth of our new creation identity is at work in us all the time without us even helping. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he's always trying to get us to cooperate with the truth to produce the fruit of the Spirit in and through our lives, which we just happen to love. <laughs> it is through believing the truth of our new creation identity as sons of God that enables us to stop being controlled by painful lies that are hidden in our subconscious. Many believers struggle with emotional pain all the days of their life because they either don't know their true identity or they don't believe what God has said regarding their new identity. But why wouldn't a believer believe what God has said about who they really are? Well, the fact is our identities, our sense of self, have often been greatly damaged by bad experiences from our childhood or even from traumatic events throughout our life. And it's these bad experiences and traumatic events that speak lies into our heart that we don't recognize our lives. They are lies about who we are and lies about who our Heavenly Father really is. And we don't know that they're hiding there until we start running into the truth. <laughs> and the only way to stop believing something that isn't true is to be confronted with the actual truth and then to be persuaded by truth himself. Jesus is truth. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. And the truth is, we don't know or even recognize truth, even when it's right in front of us, apart from Jesus revealing it to us. He has to open our eyes and show us what is actually true. We can see this truth in John chapter 14. But before we read in chapter 14, let's look at what Jesus says to his disciples just before that in chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. The setting takes place the night before Jesus is crucified. Just after they have finished celebrating the Passover, Jesus says this. After Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the glory of God to surround the Son of Man, and God will be greatly glorified through what happens to me. And very soon God will unveil the glory of the Son of Man. My dear friends, I only have a brief time left with you, and then you will search and long for me, but I tell you what I told the Jewish leaders. You will not be able to come where I am. Where was Jesus going? Jesus was going to the Father, but you and I know that because we know the story. <laughs> but the disciples didn't know that when Jesus said that. Verse 34. So I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. And when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Peter interjected, But Master, <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> Forget the commandment you just said. Where are you going? <laughs> and Jesus replied, Where I am going you won't be able to follow, but one day you will follow me there. Peter said, What do you mean I'm not able to follow you now? Can you just see Peter? I would sacrifice my life to die for you. I love Peter. <laughs> He's going to, to stand. Oh, you can trust me. I'm a great disciple. <laughs> Verse 38. Jesus answered, Would you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Here's the absolute truth. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will say three times, that you don't even know me. Did Peter really know his own heart? No, he didn't. He only thought he knew what was in his heart. He only thought that he was willing to die for Christ. He only thought that he was more faithful than all the other disciples. Peter was actually very proud of his complete and utter devotion to Jesus. At least until Jesus spoke the absolute truth to him and burst his little religious self-righteous bubble. 
Peter believed lies. And he didn't even know that he believed lies until Jesus confronted the lies he was believing. Jesus let Peter know that his devotion to Christ would not be enough to give him the inner strength that he would need in order to be able to stand faithfully in the face of severe persecution, or in this case, to stand faithful in the face of a servant girl who recognized him. <laughs> Peter didn't know the absolute truth about himself the night before the crucifixion. But he was about to find out the very next day. He was actually in a test. What Jesus did for Peter is exactly what Jesus wants to do in our lives, too. He wants to reveal the absolute truth about the lies that are hiding in the deepest parts of our belief system, the lies that continue to hurt and wound us emotionally. And the only thing that can destroy the power of a lie in the heart of a believer is the absolute truth being spoken into our hearts by Jesus himself. Now, how do you think Peter felt about this absolute truth that Jesus spoke to him? Do you think he thought, oh yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> can see that. <laughs> or do you think he might have thought Jesus was mistaken and he just kept it to himself? I personally think Peter probably thought Jesus doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know how wonderful I am. <laughs> he probably thought Jesus was mistaken until he heard that stupid rooster crow. <laughs> and he's like, oh man. <laughs> Jesus knew Peter's heart. Jesus knew that Peter believed lies about himself, and he believed lies about Jesus, and he believed lies about the Father. But Peter didn't know that he believed lies. Not until Jesus' words came true, and the lies that he believed were exposed as actually being lies, and the truth that Jesus spoke was revealed as actually being truth. And that's when Peter looked over at Jesus, after Jesus had been arrested. And while Jesus was being interrogated and mistreated by the chief priest, Peter is looking for Jesus, and he finds him, and he sees him, and he realizes, he's looking at me! <laughs> Oh no, he's looking at me! <laughs> In the midst of Jesus being tortured and, and tormented, Jesus is looking for Peter because Jesus knows Peter needs to know Jesus' eye has not changed. Jesus' heart has not changed. Jesus knew Peter was going to fall and he forecast it for him. But he didn't believe it. As if Jesus, by just communicating through a look, was saying to Peter, Peter, I know you! <laughs> I really know you, and I really love you. So Peter, trust me. Trust my word, not yourself. Trust my love, not your feelings. Trust the absolute truth, not your own understanding. Peter, trust me, because I'm always right. I'm always right. I end up saying this to myself whenever God gives me a message. I go when looking for the Father's Day message, and I'm like, are you sure, Jesus? And he says, I'm always right. And that's one of the most wonderful things about our Jesus and our Father. They are always right. <laughs> so we find ourselves believing things that are in opposition to what they have to say. Then we are believing lies. And believing lies will always produce painful emotions and painful situations in our life. It's just a matter of time. That's exactly what happened to Peter. Continuing in chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And where was Jesus going? 
He was going to the Father. So And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, <laughs> we do not know where you're going. <laughs> How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the way. I'm going to the Father. You've got to remember, I'm going to the Father. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's how I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm opening the way to the Father. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you do know me and have seen me. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. Another translation puts it this way. Show us the Father. That will satisfy us. And Philip had it right. When we see the absolute truth of who our Heavenly Father is and what He has accomplished through our Jesus, it will satisfy us. It will bring us joy and peace and comfort. It is what our hearts were created to know and experience. Our Father's great love for us and our Father's gift of a brand new, perfect identity in Christ as sons of God. Yes? Jesus tries to explain to them in the following verses. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I always feel like you ought to have <laughs> set the, the story straight. You can ask God for anything, but if it's stupid, he will say no. <laughs> he will love you while he tells you no. <laughs> he's not going to help you sin. He's not going to help you hurt yourself. And he's not going to help you hurt somebody else. But our Father doesn't want to keep anything away from us. He has given us his kingdom. The word commandments here does not refer to the Ten Commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Greek word used to refer to the Mosaic law is usually nomos. But this word is the word entole. I love the word entole. According to the Strong's Concordance, entole means, it says, it's an injunction. That is an authoritative prescription. And it is translated as either commandment or precept. We love authoritative prescriptions. We go to the doctor and we say, we have a problem. He says, that's good, I have a remedy. <laughs> Here's the authoritative prescription. Do this, and the problem will resolve. Jesus said, if you keep my authoritative prescription, the remedy works. The love of God works. The new identity works. So Jesus is actually saying, if you love me, you will respond to my love by following my authoritative prescriptions. And what did he tell them to do? Love others as I have loved you. His authoritative prescription is to believe on Jesus and to live in his love and give that love away to others. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And as you can see, I've underlined, to be with you forever. <laughs> because I love this part. <laughs> it's such a small part of the sentence, but it relays a huge, absolute truth. My Father has given me another helper to be with me forever. No matter how stupid I am. <laughs> he gives me a helper forever because he knows I can be really stupid. <laughs> and I will need help. <laughs> I need a forever help. And the Holy Spirit is that forever help. 
So much of my early spiritual education as a young mother included the idea that the Holy Spirit would punish me for my sins and failures by abandoning me until I could figure out how to make my wrongs right again. And it was always a terrifying experience. You're going to leave me when I fail? When I need you the most? No, he doesn't! <laughs> he knows we need him! <laughs> but that's what lies do to us. The lie I was taught was, if you don't live right, God will leave you in a heartbeat. And when you figure out how to make yourself right, then you can come back. What a horrible father that would be. Who throws you out of the house when you fail? Then what you need is to be fathered? <laughs> no, that's not who God is. But those kinds of lies terrify people in the body of Christ. How long did we sing, oh God, please take not thy Holy Spirit from me? <laughs> and it says right here, to be with you forever. The lies we believe that we don't even know that we believe that are lies. They steal our peace and our joy. They steal our comfort by painting pictures in our head of who we think our Father is and who we think we are to Him. We are not trash to our Father. We are not expendable. We are not mistakes. He doesn't throw us out when we fall short of perfection. In fact, our Father has loved us with an everlasting love. So much so that He Himself became a man and died in our place for the express purpose of being able to bring us into His home, into His life, into His love, into His brand new identity in us as dearly loved children of God. He gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us forever so that He can forever persuade our hearts of our Father's life-changing truths. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Our God is a father. He's a father to the father left and a father to those who never had a good father. Scientists who study relationships say that a child is better to be raised with a bad father than no father at all. Because at least they learn that not to be. Identity is passed on from father to son, from father to daughter. We get our identity from human fathers. But when we come into the not saving knowledge of Christ, our heavenly father says, let me tell you who you are. I know your heart. I know what I've designed you for. I know what you've been created to be and to do. Listen to what I say is true about you. Our Father is a good Father. He will never leave us as an orphan. He has made us His own by birth, regeneration, and by adoption. We are adopted spiritually so that we can rule and reign on earth. Adoption was for the express purpose of passing on the business and the wealth and the riches. We are in the God and Son's business. <laughs> That's who He <we> is. <laughs> That's why He says, you're going to do the same works I do. Why? Because the Father's passing on the business to His sons. Verse 19. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. Now we know, because we know the story, that he's talking about his death and resurrection. But the disciples still were not getting that. <laughs> Jesus says, in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. In other words, it's going to be a whole new way of life. A whole new way of having relationship with our Heavenly Father and our Jesus. They would no longer live outside of us, far away in heaven somewhere. Instead, they would actually move right into the middle of us. 
and make it into brand new creation that eternally connect to the Father as God, God and the Father. They would name us and call us their own. He would give us a brand new identity, a perfect identity as a son of the living God who is filled with the living God and who has access to all that the Father is and has. But his disciples were probably just thinking, what day? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about exactly? Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments, his authoritative prescription from Dr. Jesus that will bring health and healing to our hearts and lives and keeps them, in other words, responds in faith, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love and manifest myself to him. At first glance, it looks like Jesus is saying God only loves those who love him. But in actuality, he's saying only those who respond in faith to the absolute truth revealed in and through Jesus will experience the up-close and personal love relationship with their Heavenly Father. Our Father loves everyone, but not everyone will recognize and experience our Father and our Jesus' love and presence. Now, I can see why the disciples were probably a little bit perplexed by Jesus' statement. This whole conversation is sort of filled with secret code language. <laughs> Jesus is talking about a whole new way of knowing God, but they had never been exposed to that kind of way. He's talking about going away and then coming back, and they're like, what? <laughs> and he's talking about coming to live inside of them with his father, and then making himself known to them from the inside. This is not what they thought the Messiah was going to do. So they were probably just confused and embarrassed that they didn't understand what he was talking about. So then one of the disciples musters up some courage and asks the question, um, how <laughs> are you going to do this? <laughs> how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answers them in verses 25 and 26 of the same chapter. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit from the Father, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you also and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I think the disciples were probably relieved by that answer. <laughs> because the only reason we understand what Jesus is talking about is because we know how the whole story goes. And we have already experienced the born-again reality and that he has described to them. But they were still in the middle of the story, and they didn't actually understand where the story was going. They had no idea that Jesus was going to the cross the very next day. Even though he had told them clearly what would happen, they couldn't receive the absolute truth of Jesus' true mission because of all the misunderstanding and lying pictures they already had in their minds and hearts. They thought Jesus came as Messiah to physically stomp on all their physical enemies. <laughs> so they weren't getting what Jesus was saying to them. And they were probably just very relieved that they weren't required to take a test at that very moment and understand what he said. <laughs> like, oh good, someday we're going to understand. Let's just move along. <laughs> but what he was actually talking about was our Father's gift of a brand new, perfect identity. He was talking about us as fallen human beings becoming the actual, literal, spiritual children of God by being born again in our spirit and being indwelt by the spirit of our Father, our Jesus, and our Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Jesus also told his disciples about the spirit of truth in chapter 16 of John, verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Why could they not bear or receive to themselves what Jesus wanted to say to them? Probably because they were still mere men living in the kingdom of darkness. Yes, they had received life and understanding through Jesus as the light of the world, but they hadn't yet been translated into the kingdom of light. And without the light of God being manifested through the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, they would continue to walk in darkness without understanding. And they would continue to believe lies about themselves and about their father 
and yes, even about their Jesus. After Jesus had been raised from the dead, he met two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he found that they were faltering in their faith in him simply because they did not understand that what Messiah was destined to do and accomplish according to God's plan. They didn't know that Messiah would die as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. Their idea of a Messiah was one who would stomp all of their enemies, and they didn't see Jesus doing that anyway. <laughs> but they believed he was probably the Messiah. So as they're walking along together, and Jesus comes alongside of them, and they tell Jesus, whom they didn't recognize, that they were so sad because they had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but then he went and died. <laughs> and they didn't understand why the Messiah would die, so he must not be the Messiah. Oh, no. <laughs> so what does Jesus do for them? He opens their eyes so that they are able to see the truth. And Jesus later meets the rest of his disciples, who were also astonished and somewhat unbelieving that he was alive. What does he do for them? He opens their eyes to the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can receive or bear the truth. Truth is something that is revealed to us as truth by the Holy Spirit. Our feelings are not what leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals truth to us and persuades our heart of the reality found in the New Covenant and in our new identity. Verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in our spirit and in our minds and reveals the truth of our Father and our Jesus to us. He does not use our feelings and emotions to lead us into all truth. Our feelings and emotions are usually notorious liars. <laughs> who will tell us we are something other than what our Father has made us to be. But the Holy Spirit uses the spoken word of God and the written word of God together, and then he bears witness with our spirit, confirming to our hearts that those truths are indeed true in us and of us and for us. Many believers today are plagued by hurt feelings and negative emotions regarding how they see themselves and others, including their Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus. So much of the body of Christ thinks the Father will throw them out in a heartbeat. They don't know who the Father is. They have these lying pictures in themselves, and they don't realize that that's their problem, is that they believe lies. Satan has painted ugly pictures of themselves on their own hearts. He has lied to them about things that they have done in the past or the things that were done to them in the past. Often, children who have been molested were lied to by the molester, and the molester said, this is your fault. See what a horrible person you are. And because children are really good at believing, they believe it, and they receive it. And then Satan doesn't have to do a whole lot to them for the rest of their life, because he knows that lie hidden in their heart will produce self-destruction. That's the power of our lie. It causes us to self-destruct. That's why the truth of our perfect identity in Christ is so important that we can stand assured that we are loved and we are good and we are holy, not because of anything we've done in our flesh, but because of what our Father has made us to be. Satan lies to all of us. He lies about what we are. He loves to tell believers that they are stupid or ugly or worthless or abandoned. Many believers actually believe that they are so dirty because of what they've done or because of what someone did to them that they can never again become clean and acceptable to the Father. And that's because they are not convinced of the absolute truth of the eternally effective sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They think it's a one-by-one -one sin management program. He says, no, we're getting rid of the sin management program. I'm going to give you a brand new identity that's perfect and holy and pure. You look just like me. 
You look just like me, baby girl. You look just like me, my son. You look just like me. I need you to believe you look just like me because you won't be able to enjoy this life I've given you if you don't know you have it. If you're always looking out there for it. So much of the body of Christ thinks that they're jumping in and out of grace. <laughs> I'm right with God. I'm not right with God. <laughs> it's all a lie. Many believers believe that no one will ever love them the way they are. Many continue to believe the lies the enemy whispered into their hearts when they were just small children, telling them that there must be something really wrong with them. They must be in the wrong body because of how they feel. Feelings are liars. <laughs> they don't realize that they received as a truth a lie. A lie that was whispered into their understanding of who they were. That deep place of belief. And they don't know what to do. All they know is that it hurts. It hurts to feel like I'm not myself. That I'm somehow I'm a fake. I need to be in a different body. I need to be in a different relationship. I need to be, I need to fix me. There's something wrong with who I am. And that the body of Christ is its problem. She doesn't know who she is and what she has. They don't know that it's a lie that's causing their plague, not the truth. It's the lie that causes us pain. God created us in such a way that when we believe lies, it hurts. <laughs> because he wants us to know, this is not right. <laughs> if it's hurting you, it's not right. They hurt emotionally, and they don't know how to make it stop. They don't know that it's the lie causing their pain. Many people believing their negative emotions have actually gone through physical transformation of becoming the opposite sex. Only to find out that the hurt is still there. I changed who and what I was, but it didn't fix me. And I thought it would. If I do this, it will fix me. If I do that, it will fix me. And Jesus says, no. I'm the only thing that fixes you. Truth is what sets you free. Truth is what gets rid of the pain. Truth, understanding who and what you are, fixes you. The people who go through these transformations believe that if I can just be what I think I feel like I am, <laughs> then I will be free. And it's a lie. The only way to be free from a lie is to allow Holy Spirit to reveal the absolute truth to us about who we are. And he uses the written word of God to do that. If we want to be free from plaguing emotional pain, we will have to be willing to see and to hear the absolute truth from God. Even if it's the truth we don't like. <laughs> Peter did not like finding out that he did not have the strength within himself to be able to keep himself faithful. And faced with the possibility of dying, the fear of death was stronger than his faith in himself. And he folded under the pressure and lied about not knowing Jesus. But 50 days later, an amazing thing happened to Peter. He was born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The Spirit that opens our eyes to see the kingdom of God and even the ability to see into our own hearts. The Spirit who brings us into the life-changing revelation of who our Father and our Jesus and our Holy Spirit really are. And who we really are in and through Christ in our spirit. It is only as we understand the truth and the reality of who and what God has already made us to be in our spirit that the absolute truth of who we are already in our spirit can begin to overtake and eradicate the lies hiding in our hearts. To overtake the lies that cause us to be weak and powerless in our soul, in our mind, will, and emotions. There really is nothing wrong 
because we are in Christ. But there is usually a whole lot of stuff wrong with what we've been told or taught about our true identity in Christ. Our real and true identity doesn't come from how we feel. And it doesn't come from what we do. Our true identity comes from the absolute truth of our Father's unconditional and everlasting love and life given to us through our eternal relationship with Him, with Jesus Christ. We are new creations with a brand new perfect identity. We are sons of the one true and living God. And the more that the absolute truth of our God-given identity overtakes our stinking thinking and bad believing, the more the spirit of truth in us gives produce the very nature and character of Christ in our mind, will, and emotions. We already have the very nature, the very heart and character of God in us. That's not supposed to be a secret. <laughs> We're supposed to have the understanding that releases who we really are into this world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, to change our emotions. It is the truth that sets us free. And sometimes we're uncomfortable with the truth. People who have had sex change operations, they have to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, this was not my saving grace. They have to be willing to accept the truth as the truth so that it can heal them. It is the truth that we receive that heals us. We have the living God inside of us. It doesn't mean you automatically live them out. He has to get our cooperation. <laughs> that means he has to change our mind, our stinking thinking, our bad believing, and so that we can agree with truth and experience the truth. The lies we believe hurt us and cause us deep emotional pain, but our Father's love and truth heals in our emotional way, allowing us to heal us in our spirit, to be able to easily live out who we are in this world. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word labor, according to the Strongest Concordance, paints a picture of someone who is working hard to become what God wants them to be, all the while not realizing that they don't actually have the ability to become what God wants them to be. Because what God wants them to be is some. Full of the Holy Spirit and truth. We can't become that by doing. We become that by believing the absolute truth of what our Father has said. But as long as we believe the lie that we are not already what our Father wants us to be, we will find that we become heavy laden. It's a picture, this word. It's about an animal being overpacked, unable to carry his load. And the, according to the Strong's Concordance, this overburdening is spiritual anxiety. It's too much to bear. Jesus said to them, I have much to tell you, you can't bear it. You can't receive it. You've got to be changed first. <laughs> That's the whole point. In order to receive the truth, we have to let him be the truth in us. This spiritual anxiety is what happens to us where? In our minds, in our will, in our emotions. And when we, like Peter, figure out that we don't actually have the ability to make or keep ourselves faithful to the Father. We don't have the ability to keep ourselves faithful to the Father. And we don't have to. <laughs> We don't have to be able to keep ourselves faithful. We never could. That's the lie. That's the lie that Peter believed, that it was all up to him. Jesus said, you aren't in a place where you can even receive the spiritual truth, that it's all about grace. It's all about receiving. It's about me changing who you are so that you can see into the kingdom and even into your own heart. The only remedy for spiritual anxiety is the absolute truth. The truth of God's word and the truth of who he is and who he has made us to be. Spiritual anxiety in the life of a believer is always caused by us believing a lie. Either about ourselves or about our Father's ability 
Okay, so Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. A yoke is really a funny word. It's actually a balance beam of someone who's strong and somebody who's not. <laughs> when you put two animals together, it's the strong one who bears the hardship, not the weak one, not the young one. So much of the church wants to balance grace with law. You sloppy agape people, <laughs> you greasy grace people, you need to get the law back in there. Know what you need is the truth. God balances grace with truth. He says, you, you need grace, but you need to know truth too. The truth is what imparts the grace. The truth is what in, in releases the power of God in you. It changes your mind, your will, and emotions. He says, take my yoke upon me, my balance being of grace and truth upon you, and learn of me. Let me teach you what is actually true. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And one other translation says, and easy to please. I love that. I didn't know that for years. I thought God was very hard to please. I didn't realize he was always pleased with who I was. He was always pleased with my true identity. We need to be pleased with our true identity too. When we do, what will we find? Rest for our souls. This last verse, I also have in the remedy translation for you, and it says this. Join up with me and learn my methods, the principles upon which life is built to operate. Grace and truth, faith. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find healing and rest for your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions. Our Father wants to heal our mind, our wills, and our emotions. He doesn't do that with some kind of magic wand. <laughs> we pray like that. We really do. We pray, we pray the magic wand prayer. Very much like Naaman in the Old Testament. He went to see the prophet, and he wanted the prophet to just Wave your hand over the spot, abracadabra, be all well. <laughs> and sometimes we approach our father the same way. We want him to just wave his hand over the spot and make the pain leave. The truth is, he can only destroy the pain of a lie with the truth of his word, the truth of his grace. So he opens our eyes and reveals the actual truth to us so that the lies hidden in our subconscious can be utterly destroyed and we can be free from the power of that life forever. You see, if Jesus just went around waving his hand over the spot, we have to keep waving, waving his hand over the spot over and over and over again. The problem isn't what we're feeling. The problem is what we're believing. So to set us free from the hurting and the pain, he has to give us the truth and remove the lie. Our Father wants to heal the emotional pain in our hearts, but he does that by healing the broken image we have of ourselves with the truth of who he is and who he has made, already made us to be in the spirit. Our perfect Heavenly Father gives all his sons and daughters a perfect identity. One that matches perfectly with who we designed to be in God's original intent. A self-constructed identity, me choosing to be what I think I should be or I want to be, will always eventually self-destruct. It's based on the law. But an identity bestowed by our Father in heaven will last forever. We do not need to, and in fact, we cannot create our own identity and still find rest for our souls. We must simply go to the Father, to our Lord Jesus Christ, and let him open our eyes to the absolute truth of who he has already made us to be. Amen? Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father God, for the reality of your life and presence and wisdom 
and relationship in us. We thank you. You are a talking God. You are always dispensing truth and favor and wisdom. You are always in the process of opening our understanding so that we can walk in more of what you have for us, that we can walk in more of who you've already made us to be. Father, the more we understand that we can do the works that you have done and greater works through. Only, only your word tells us that. We would never come up with that on our own. We see ourselves as so small and insignificant, and you'd say to us, no, you are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. I have big plans for you. I have great plans for you. I desire that you be well in your heart and in your emotions. I desire that you have be well in your finances. I desire that you should be well in every area of your life. I don't want you hurting. It doesn't do you good to hurt. It does you good to recognize what is the truth and letting the truth transform your mind, your will, and your emotions. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. And happy Father's Day, God. Amen. This is Mark Testerman, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Grace Ministries. I want to say thank you for listening to the finished work gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the good news found throughout the message has richly encouraged you in the love of the Father. Friends, this podcast is supported by the generous financial support of its listeners. And if today's message has ministered to you, then would you consider a gift that ministers back to us? You can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 833-632-1315, or you can visit triumphantgrace.com and donate through PayPal or credit card. The cornerstone scripture for Triumphant Grace Ministries is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Great grace, such grace, triumphant grace to you. God bless you.